listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast with your host, Timothy Lambert-Monk. Yes, welcome in to each and every one of you. This is the Full 10 Yards Podcast. I am Tim. It is the 25th of February. Thank you all so much for joining us. If you are here, that's because you want to be listening to the AFC East. We're going to run the rule over the Patriots, over the Dolphins, over the Jets, and of course the Bills as well. Have a fan from each of those teams to run the rule over the 2018 season and look ahead into the 29 off season and maybe a bit of a prediction into next season as well. Hope you enjoy it. It's been a lot of work. Putting this all together, trying to coordinate 32 different people for the, the all the divisions uh, has been a bit of work, but hopefully it comes across quite well. If you do enjoy it, please let us know or leave a review on the on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast would be very much appreciated. Today, obviously, is the AFC East. Uh, Tuesday, tomorrow is going to be our main podcast where we're looking at free agency uh, with Lee. And then Wednesday, uh, we have the AFC South. On Thursday, the AFC North. And then finishing off on Friday there with the AFC West. So... Pretty much an, a- an AFC field week for you here on the Full 10 Yards podcast, a podcast every day for you as well, you lucky, lucky people. And then next week, we'll turn our attention to the NFC as well, uh, same format, uh, east, south, north and west. Not quite sure why I've gone for that um, concoction. So without further ado, we'll get into it and we'll start off with the New England Patriots. And where else should we start other than the New England Patriots uh, reaching, obviously defending champions going into 2019. And to steal a lineup from Bobby Ray, to talk a bit of NEP, we're going to talk some NEP with our guest Stevie, or aka Stevie Ray, of the Kickers That Matter podcast. I've actually butchered that intro, but never mind. Uh, start as you mean to go on. Stevie, welcome you in uh, to the podcast. How are you doing, my friend? Yeah, really good, thanks, Tim. Good to be back on. And um, yeah... Looking forward to talking New England Patriots as always. Yes, yes, um, yeah. I mean, yeah, loads, loads to talk about always with the Patriots. Yeah, it's been over three months since we uh, we had you on the podcast. Seems like a, a long, long, long time ago. Well, yeah, yeah, long time. Time flies when you're having fun. It certainly does. Mm. It certainly does. Yeah. And talking of fun, obviously, New England Patriots had a lot of fun there. Once again, reaching the pinnacle of the uh, NFL, you know, power rankings, if you like, or you know, the pinnacle of the tree. Uh, 11 and 5 record, number two seed, which is usually uh, unusual for them. Uh, fourth in points for f- seventh in points against on the season. But going into the season, Steve, um, you know, lots of question marks over Brady, Gronk, and whether or not they're, they're murmurs of retiring. And no doubt you'll get them again this season, predominantly with with Gronkowski. Although, you know, last couple of days it seems that like he's going to take another couple of weeks to to decide whether or not he's coming back. Um, yeah, what, 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 going into the season, obviously, you know, every year you probably get the, the talk of, oh, the dynasty is going to crumble. This is the year, you know, it's been going on for the last couple of years now. And what, what were your thoughts going into the season on on how successful New England would be? Uh, it's always hard to say, really. I mean, I'm in a very privileged position that year on year, the New England Patriots are so successful. So I kind of get a bit numb to some of the kind of the conversations around the Patriots in the off season. It seems like there's a lot of people willing the dynasty to end yeah. rather than actually necessarily the likelihood of it happening. So a lot of the turmoil, if you want to call it, that was around last off-season was from a Seth Wickersham article mm. around Brady and Belichick not getting on, whether Gronk was happy. Um, and I just kind of ignored it all, if I was being honest with you. I didn't, I didn't overthink it. As long as the three men that mattered, Brady... Gronk and uh, Belichick were there at the start of the season. 
I was pretty sure they were going to be fine. I didn't think we necessarily have the season we did, but I thought we'd be there or thereabouts. It's just the sort of team we, we've built over the last 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And talking, say, talking of 20 years, I think in those 20 years, well, certainly since 2001, you've only finished second twice uh, in the division every other time you've, you've, can't, you've won it. So um, absolutely ridiculous standards. And, and yeah, it, 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 similar to the ilk of like Tiger Woods uh, in golf and, you know, all, all the greats you can think of, Muhammad Ali in boxing, you know, New England Patriots there in the NFL and the AFC East, um, you know, is, is up there with the best with them. And you know, not only that, but more multiple, multiple Super Bowls to, to go along with it in kind of, you know, it's a dynasty, isn't it? Um, oh, are you still there? And I think the thing behind that, Steve, is obviously you've got the, the genius of, of Bill Belichick. But, you know, if you if you think of New England, what, what comes to me is is the epitome of, you know, roster management and, and, and personnel. It's about, you know, looking at a player and, and thinking what they can do for the team rather than what, what they can't do for the team. And, you know, prime examples of that are people that, you know, back look at the backfields that they've had over the years. Look at Cordell Patterson, who you know, couldn't get a snap anywhere else. Uh, but seems to be a decent weapon there. You know, there's plenty and plenty of of examples you could use for New England. And, you know, they, they they seem to change setups and schemes, you know, week to week. And it's it's well known that, you know, how adaptable and flexible they are. Is that is that one of the main reasons why they have been so successful over the last 19, 18, 19, 20 years? There's a really simple. There's there's one word that really covers it for me, which is culture. Bill Belichick knows exactly the type of culture he wants his team to have. Um, and so that is always about putting the individual aside for the benefit of the team. So I know there's a lot of kind of jokey kind of like me just about no days off, do your job. Um, and a lot of people kind of take the mick a little bit of it because they're just, they're just phrases, but actually they mean something there. It just means you do the fundamentals properly. You don't try and do more than, than you're asked to do. You do exactly what you're supposed to do, and you do it. You do it to the best of your ability. Yeah. And it's it's having that culture first and foremost that then allows you to go and find guys like um, Van Noy, who can go from being a guy that you can pick up from Detroit for a fifth round pick and turn him into a borderline Super Bowl MVP. I mean, like. There's guys that we find on rosters that other teams can't get anything out of, that other teams kick aside. You mentioned Cordell Patterson. Came into the league as an absolute burner. Everyone had really high expectations of him. But the Vikings couldn't get any use out of him. The Raiders couldn't really work out anything of him. And I'm not saying the page, he was some sort of amazing stud last year, but when we went down in, in injuries, he suddenly filled in at running back yeah. and had a really good performance at running back. It's just that ability that Belichick sees in players to get them to just do something and make them better than the sum of their parts. And it's, it all comes back to him um, from setting that culture. And then it's the sprinkling of stardust that he's always had through his teams. I mean, he's always had the consistency of Brady. And then he's had other like starlets throughout the line. But They've never really been a, a Hollywood team. Maybe the the like the nineteen, well, the eighteen and one team was um, was as close to Hollywood as they've ever had. But outside of that, you've got a seventh round quarterback that turned into this slot wide receiver that is is probably our main weapon. Mm-hmm. No, so few teams can do that, and that's kind of 
what I think year on year just makes us so successful. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, it's also well known that the Patriots don't like to pay anyone, do they? You know, they don't they don't go all out and, and shout out. You know, they could have quite easily kept Brandon Cooks, who, incidentally, you know, is going to earn more uh, next year than, than Julian Edelman's earned in his whole career, which is a, just a, a mind-blowing stat considering, you know, where they are in their careers. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's, part of, yeah, it's part and parcel of the New England Patriots, isn't it? You come in, you do your job, and, you know, you, you do it because you want to play football and you want to be the best and you want to win the Super Bowls, and that's exactly what they've done, um, you know, ever since I've started watching American football. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, at some point it is going to end because, you know, father time is unbeaten, as they say. Um, but in terms of Super Bowl wins, Steve, where, where does this one that's just gone rank it rank in terms of all-time Super Bowl wins that, you, that you've witnessed as a, as a fan? Um, it's a hard one, really. I got a lot of satisfaction out of this one because I don't think we played that well for a lot of the year. Um, in fact, I had a proper toys out the pram moment when um, Kenyon Drake went over in the corner in the Miami game <laughs> in, uh, in uh, week 14. I had a proper sense of humour failure then. And actually, in some ways, it was perverse. The way we played in the playoffs, I would argue, is the best postseason run we've ever had mm. in terms of the quality that we put out during that period. Yeah. Where does it rank? Um, it doesn't probably mean as much as the early ones because they were just so special in the early 2000s. And then the, the Seattle win was good because it was kind of like the return of, of kind of like we'd gone for... People were questioning whether we'd ever win another one, so that was special. Mm. The Falcons, I mean, God, just the sheer ridiculousness of that game kind of also makes... I mean, they're all special in their own right, but I, I got an awful lot of satisfaction out of the end result, even if the journey along the way was was quite bumpy. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's probably a good way of putting it. You know, yeah. If you look, if you go back and watch the, the postseason, the execution uh, from the New England Patriots, you know, you, you could argue... All the three teams you played, the Chargers, the Chiefs, and the Rams, were you know man to man better than than what the Patriots had. But as a team, they were lit, untouchable just because of the execution and the, you know, the efficiency of, of both, both all three all three phases of the game. So, um, and, but like you say, yeah, you know, uh, during the regular season, you know, four all, all their losses were away from home this year. Um, was it five? Was it five losses away? All away from home? Which yeah, is, five which is losses. Quite, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, you never do never do that great against Miami and Miami anyway. But uh, yeah, maybe the circumstances slightly a bit different than than they were last year. But yeah, you know, it wasn't a vintage season in terms of performance, especially away from home in the regular season. Were you what What were you thinking? Like, any any particular reason you can come come to that, or are they just vulnerable um, on the road? We were we were highly vulnerable on the road last year. It took us a long time to kind of find out find our identity this year. Um, I'm not going to blame injuries because every team suffers from injuries. So I don't think that's um, you can always fall back on that. But I thought we came into the season with a lack of talent. Um, and I think that kind of held up for a lot of the year. A lot of the losses, well, the five losses that we had, as you say, all came to, te- like came to teams on the, when we were on the road. Um, and they all came to teams that themselves missed the playoffs. So it's kind of like, we, we maybe under maybe underestimated them and and they like any team any team who plays the Patriots rises raises their game for it because they want to knock us off our perch yeah um, maybe we just weren't as well prepared which seems a strange thing to say but when you see how well prepared we were for the postseason it kind of shows that maybe we were less well prepared earlier in the year and we were just like slow off the blocks yeah. but 
I mean, look, it's ridiculous, isn't it, to be talking about, oh, it wasn't a great year. We went 11-5, and five, so another got to the postseason again and we've won a Super Bowl. So it's an amazing season in the end. And the performances, not just in the postseason, but the last two games as well against the Jets and the Bills was also excellent. So overall, mixed, mixed middle, very good end. So I, I can't complain in the long run. No, I mean if you if you're if you're if your end's going to be a lot better than the than the middle, then you know you're always going to have a, a good season, aren't you? Especially if you're playing in. January. And that's always what I'd ask. I mean, that's kind of Belichick's mantra, isn't it? Yeah. Like it's better it's better to be good in January and February than it is to be to be great in in September. So I'd rather be a, a January team than a, than a September team. So um, I'm glad I get the chance to watch the team yeah. consistently do that. So it's amazing, really. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure all, Bengal, all Bengals fans will appreciate that, <laughs> appreciate that comment. But uh, we we digress. We, we move on to them in a separate podcast. So um, let's think. Let's have a look at the off season then, Stevie. So you know, perennial thir- picking from either number thirty one or thirty or thirty thirty two. What's what's the main areas of needs uh, in this off season? Because I think Chris Hogan's a free agent, isn't he? And obviously Julian Edelman seem, seems to be just the, the the guy left standing there. Rob Gronkowski, who I think at this point will could be coming back, but. Um, you know, he didn't have the greatest of, of, of regular seasons either. Um, bit a bit bare in terms of pass catching, but we've seen the transition to more of a run game. Um, you know, considering Tom Brady's advancing years, uh, you know, you've got Sonny Michelle who uncharacteristically was picked by the Patriots in the first round last year. What 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 do you see the main the main area of need for the Patriots uh, this off season, either in free agency or draft? I think. As you've kind of touched on, we've got a need at wide receiver. Um, at the, as we sit here now, the only two receivers we've got on the roster for next year are Julian Edelman and uh, Braxton Berrios, uh, who's been on IR all this year. So we're definitely going to need to do something there. I'm not sure whether Josh Gordon will be reinstated and whether he'll come back. But even if he does, you can't rely on, on him for your 53-man roster. Um I expect us to dip into the um, defensive line market. Um, we, we're losing Danny Shelton. We're losing Malcolm Brown. Um, and sadly, we're probably going to lose Trey Flowers in free agency. So we're going to need to do some work across that D line. Um, and then, as much as as much as I think Gronk will come back next year, I think the signs are pointing to it. We need to look at who is going to replace him long term. And in this draft, we've got a lot of very good tight ends. So it wouldn't surprise me. We've got three picks in the first two rounds this year. Mm. It wouldn't surprise me to see us use one of those three picks on a tight end this year. Mm. And then the perennial challenge for, for us now, when you've got a 41-year-old quarterback, is do you look for a quarterback to groom? I'm not sure this is the draft class to do it, but Belichick's Belichick. If he, if he thinks someone's capable and he can bring him through, he's not scared to do it. So my main need, I think, is wide receiver. And then it's the D line, and then tight end, and then a sneaky look to quarterback potentially. But I'm not sure. That, as I say, this isn't really the class for that. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we chatted on the, on our podcast a couple of weeks ago about, you know, obviously Antonio Brown. Um, you know, the England Patriots have got six picks inside the top top 100. Do you, what, what, what do you make of Antonio Brown? I know, I know, it goes against us saying that they're not going to pay wide receivers. Um, but they certainly got the draft capital to, to prize them away from Pittsburgh. And you know, hi- hypothetically, would you would you welcome Antonio Brown? Or are you not really is he not really worth the, the baggage that he's he's going to bring and the diva diva mentality? Because you've done it with Randy Moss. Yeah, we've done it before. Like 
Belichick's never been scared about bringing strong character guys into the dressing room. So I'm not... Do I want Antonio Brown? Yes, because he's amazing. Um, do we need Antonio Brown? Well, we need a wide receiver. Would I do it? I'm, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure. We need this. This team right now needs to get younger, not yeah. older. Yeah. So as much as you want to kind of give a another weapon to Brady, if you kind of you're going all in on Brady for the next two years, then Antonio Brown's certainly a nice toy to play with. Um, but I'd like to see us probably go younger at that position. I say we've got Edelman there. Um, if you're relying on Gronk as your number two pass catcher for next year, we need youth really um, in that wide receiver position. But look, if they did it, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be mad. I wouldn't be crying about it. But um, it seems there's a lot of rumours about another wide receiver that may be available to trade in, in Odell <laughs> Beckham. And if if it was the choice between the two, purely as much because of an age thing, I'd rather we, we, we spent more draft capital to get Odell than bring in Brown for a two-year rental, really. Yeah, I mean, obviously it was it was it's reported that the New England Patriots were the most aggressive again trying to get uh, Odell Beckham last year. So it'd be interesting to see if they try and re-pursue that option. But uh, yeah, so going into next season then, I suppose obviously perennial Super Bowl winners, Super Bowl is, is again the target for 2019. Yeah, it's got to be the target. I mean, until the team isn't consistently in the postseason you've got to say that they're a favorite the AFC isn't as deep as the uh, as the NFC is so you've got to get through the Chiefs um, you, you've probably got to get through the Indianapolis Colts next year um, who knows what what the Steelers are going to look like next year you've got the Chargers that are on the up and you've got other teams that are kind of like the Texans and and, um, and the Ravens and maybe a Browns team but there's no, there's no, there isn't anyone other than the Chiefs that particularly scares me. Yeah. Um, and so, depending what we do in free agency, depending how the draft pans out, depending how the other teams do in free agency, um, I'd like to think. Well, we're favourite. We'll probably be favourites for the East again. I'd be surprised if we're not the favourites for the East again. And, I'd, and I'd, I'd consider us in with a shot of a of a home field advantage in the playoffs, probably in a potentially number two seed again. Mm. We, we may not. We may we may get a three or a four, but I think we'll be there or thereabouts unless something dramatic happens mm. this off-season that we don't see, i.e. Brady retires, Belichick suddenly calls it quits. They're the only two things that I think would really put a massive question mark on on the future of the franchise right now. Yeah, and before, before we, 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 we leave it out on this one, Stevie, so <clears throat> I'd say at one point that that time's going to come, what what's your feelings towards you know the first game in the first season where Belichick and Brady aren't there? How, how do you think the the Patriots? I know you said about getting younger, but do you think that they're going to spend a bit of time back in you know back the, with the pack back at them if you like, or coming back to the pack? I think is the is the correct term. Or, or do you think that they can still sustain with Josh McDaniels? Obviously, should stay on and and take over the reins. Do you think they'll still be able to sustain the culture there, or is it just primarily like a Sir Alex Ferguson at Manchester United, where they'll there'll be some the teething problems into it in, when transitioning? I think you've got to expect that. I mean, as much as you hope that the, the culture and, and, the, and the environment that Belichick and, and I mean, to be fair, Robert Kraft is kind of at the heart of this as well. Um, if Bill, you're naturally going to get some um, kind of change, certainly, where the Belichick go when Belichick goes, 
as much as McDaniels has been in that system an awful long time, he isn't Bill Belichick as yeah. much as he's learned from it. As we've noticed when you're Bill O'Brien's, you Matt Patricia's, um, Charlie Wisner's, Romeo Cornell's, when they leave the Patriots, they very rarely have the same success even when they try and implement the Patriot system into other organisations. So, I'm, of course, I'm expecting us to, to come back to the pack. Are we going to be a, suddenly an 0-16 team in the future? I don't think so. I think as long as the crafts are there, I think the decision-making will follow some similar sort of processes. I don't think we'll fall off a cliff, but is it the end of the world? No, it's not. We've had, we've had so far 20 amazing years. If we, if we have 20 really rubbish ones, do I care? Not really. It's been too good for too long. No, of course, and obviously when Brady does hang up his cleats, he'll, he'll uh, well, I'd say, assume it's in the next couple of years or so, yeah, he'll he'll love the fact that he's had more Super Bowl wins than some teams have had Super Bowl appearances. So I think in a nutshell, that kind of tells you the, the success the Patriots have had over the last two decades. Yeah, it's been amazing. I, I, it's, it's been awesome. I I was a fan just before the uh, the Brady era. I was, um, I was there um, supporting the team when we had Pete Carroll as the head coach and Drew Bledsoe at quarterback. So for me... I've, I've been following American football for like 23, 24 years, and um, if this is if this is what it's supposed to be, that then I, I I can't believe it. You know what I mean? It's been an amazing run. Yeah. But um, it's not over yet. We've got no. We, we come back again. Um, as uh, Belichick says, we're on to 2019 now. Let's move on. Let's go. Let's go win another one. Yeah, absolutely. I don't expect anything less from the New England uh, Patriots set up there. Stevie, thank you so much for coming. If you want to get on t- in touch with Stevie, it's at Stevie T. Ray. He's, of course, one uh, one third of the Kickers Matter podcast. Very much recommend if you don't know who or who they are, you should go and check them out. Stevie, thank you so much for coming on to talk about Patriots. Cheers, Tim. Thanks very much. All the best, mate. Next up for the AFC East is the Miami Dolphins, second last year with a 7-9 record, which is where they always seem to be uh, for the last couple of years under Gase and Tannehill, but potentially they may be moving on. But to break it all down for us, Lee Whitton from All32 joins us once again. Lee, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. So yeah, Miami Dolphins, uh, how, how long have you been a Dolphins fan? Uh, since two thousand and five, so a little while now. A little while, yeah, a little while. So you, you, yeah, before before the uh, the Gase and Tannehill era, and um, and all the all the terrible quarterbacks before then. Oh yes, yes. I've seen a few. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk about obviously last season, seven and nine again. I mean, it's been it's been a funny couple of years under Adam Gase and uh, you know Tannehill when he's actually been there, and we'll, we'll come on to the quarterback position a bit in a bit. Are you, are you first and foremost, are you glad Adam Gase is gone? Um, yeah, I think it, it was a case of there was a bit of a clash of personality between him and the owner. I think he had to go. Um, the the rumour was that he um, actually had a, a bit of a shouting match with the owner after after a loss to the Colts, which in which they blew a ten point lead, mm. and um, he told the owner that he knew nothing about football. Which, although is probably correct, I don't know if you say it to your boss. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, and also Adam Gase is bit of a bit of a funny character isn't he? he 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 doesn't seem to get on with with guys that maybe have a bit of a, an ego or a bit of a character about them you know you've got players like and Sue, Jarvis Landry uh, and then there's other guys still on the roster there you know um Kenyon Drake um Devante Parker never never really seemed to get anything going under Adam Gase um, I don't I don't know whether that's because of the instability at quarterback because of Tannehill uh, and again Tannehill and Gase have always seemed to have a 
um, a, a funny relationship, if you like. I, I know Tanner Hill was a, was a gay guy, um, but obviously if you can't stay on the field, and then towards the end of last season with the injury injury stuff, and Gase wasn't uh, didn't seem to be too impressed. But I mean, it started, the started the season started well last year, last season, going four and two uh, after that overtime win there versus Chicago. Uh, then we then we kind of had the start of Brocktober, didn't we? So is, do we kind of put down the the season unraveling there down to Brock Osweiler, or is there more? Is there deeper reasoning in the, in there? Um, I think I don't know if Brock necessarily did a bad job. I mean, in that Chicago game, he played superb. To be fair, I know it took a, they missed a uh, kick in overtime, and we we actually fumbled at the one. Yeah, but, that was, um, that was a funny game of fumbles, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think he did an admirable job in place of the starting quarterback. I don't think you could point at him and say um, he was the reason that we lost. I mean, we probably should have beat the Lions, but they ran all over us. We went to Houston and lost. The, the whole team looked bad. I don't know if Brock had played better if it would have helped because the defense couldn't stop anyone. So, yeah. you know, um, and he also lost a game away in Green Bay, which I think most people had this penciled in as a loss anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. But I do think that you probably hit the nail on the head. I think his injuries has probably caused a lot of the issues. Losing Josh Sitton after one game was um, quite possibly the worst thing that could have happened mm. to start the season. Mm, yeah, yeah, and absolutely. Yeah, I'd say Brock, Brock Osweiler wasn't a bad version of himself. I, I, I suppose he's just not a, a season-long quarterback. Maybe he can fill in for a couple of time, a couple of times during the season, like a you know, like a, a Colt McCoy or you know, Nick Foles type type person. But yeah, injuries again. Yeah, not not the not the greatest, uh, especially on on the the O line there, not helping the running game. Let's talk about the running game for a second because you saw Frank Gore coming in at the start of the season. Uh, the evergreen thirty-five-year-old Frank Gore, uh, who many I, I suppose kind of looked at and, and thought he would kind of take a back seat to, to Kenyon Drake but obviously Adam Gase had certain things to say about that what did <laughs> what did, what do you make of that of that backfield in going into to 2019 because Frank Gore says he wants to come back but obviously he'll be turning you know father time will be fighting him again every week um Kenyon Drake by far the, the more talented running back in that in that backfield uh, do you see it to be a bit more swayed towards Kenyon Drake now and Adam Gase has gone or is it more of a, still a bit of a timeshare there I, I think that it would definitely be swayed more towards Kenyon Drake. I think that's be one of the bigger reasons that the Gase has gone as well is that you can see that you've got an explosive talent, and he was just refusing to put him on the field. But in in a little bit of a, a kind of counter argument to to that, I mean Frank Gore did a great job of keeping him on track. Mm. You know he he was a, a three yards a carry kind of guy, um, especially, and I'm sure we'll talk about it a bit later about the the Miami miracle. If you actually watch that game, the reason they're in that game late and they they went score for score with New England was Frank Gore kept them on pace all day. And I think you, you can you can see the argument for why Gase kept him in, but Kenyon Drake's the more talented, the younger, and he's a home run here. So yeah, yeah, you know, I I think it should be skewed more towards him. But I think there's a place for Frank Gore on the roster. I mean, he he was brilliant at times last year. I mean, you know what you're going to get. He's not going to cost a lot of money, and he's a Miami guy, so he is, yeah, yeah. I, I would sign him back if it was me. Yeah, quite say, and that was quite the narrative, wasn't it? People, a lot, a lot of people think people thinking he's going back to Miami to kind of retire and kind of see out his days. But uh, yeah, I mean, he had, he had double double digit carries in nine or fourteen games last season, 156 in total for the year, 722 yards at 4.6 a carry, um, just a one t one, one touchdown, which is quite funny actually, and that was actually a receiving touchdown. Um, yeah. which is yeah, not really something you associate too much with Frank Gore over the years but let's move on to the other side of the ball then Lee 
Uh, like you say, their injuries, uh, lack of defense. I mean, it's not a talent. It's not. A, it's not a roster filled with talent, is it? Uh, I know Minka Fitzpatrick was brought in over the uh, off season, and you've got some other pieces there: Kalen Balage and Mike Sicky, who might take a year or two, maybe just to to find their feet. But on on the defense side, <clears throat> seven of the last ten games they conceded over twenty five points, um, ten and ten out of sixteen on the season. So. Yeah, 27th in total points allowed, you know, 27th best, if you like. So top six in, in terms of how bad they were. I, I suppose when you've got a defence like that, it's always gonna, you're always going to struggle uh, on, on offence to, to keep up, especially when you've got quarterback instability and not too, too, not too many pieces on offence. Yeah, I think the, the main problem on defence, and that, again, this, this probably plays into a large part of why Gase was fired, was Matt Burke was the first time defensive coordinator and clearly was a bit out of his depth um they were in they, they were in um running a wide nine scheme which didn't seem to really suit the players that we had which seemed even more bizarre that they they sort of kept banging their head against the wall with it um and it wasn't getting the most out of the players but again defense again was kind of torn apart by injuries we lost william hayes after three games i believe it was in the oakland game trying not to land on Derek carr he tore an ACL and was out for the year. Then we lost a defensive tackle, uh, a starting defensive tackle for the year, and it, it kind of unraveled from there. So, yeah, yeah. Um, there is a few pieces though. I mean, Xavier Howard was superb. Yeah. He joined led the league in, in interceptions with seven, and and the defense really struggled at the end of the season when he missed those last few games. Yeah, but I think they were they kept him out mainly because. They knew they weren't going to the playoffs. Yeah. There was no reason to play them. Yeah, and also you've got Cameron Wake there uh, as well. But there wasn't really much pass rush in in, term, in, in Miami last season. Bottom five in sacks and thirty first uh, against the run uh, in terms of uh, yards allowed. Is is that the moving on to yeah, the twenty nineteen off season? Is that where we we think the Miami Dolphins are going to look to spend most of their picks in twenty nineteen? Or yeah, I mean, I I think. The, this year's draft picks need to almost exclusively be used on the trenches on both sides of the ball. If we if we don't think we can carry on with sitting health wise, Kilgore was hurt at centre as well. You know that that's two th- uh, sorry two parts of the O line gone straight away, so they need to be replaced. And we just need to get bigger and stronger on defence. So yeah. I would I would start by building both lines. Yeah. And of course, the, the big um, one of the big stories in the off season could be the quarterback position. Obviously, no Adam Gase, like we said. Potentially, no Ryan Tannehill. Uh, I know, cap wise, not not the biggest of casualties. Um, what, firstly, are you a fan of of Ryan Tannehill? Uh, and secondly, do you think he will be back next year? So to start off, yeah, I am a fan of Ryan Tannehill. Um, I think there's there's a lot worse quarterbacks in in the league than Ryan Tannehill, but um, I can see why people want him gone as well. I mean, the results haven't haven't always been great. Um, the the injuries have piled up the last two years. That's that would be the biggest concern. I don't think the cap number is is prohibitive to bringing him back. I think it's just a case of whether Brian Flores looks at him and thinks right, this is a guy we can manage with, or not. I think the interesting thing is the um, they've appointed Todd O'Shea. As offensive coordinator today, also from the New England Patriots, mm. and if they they think that they can run the the sort of short passing game, then Ryan Tannehill's good at that. That that's where he excels. And there's this um, theory in Miami at the moment that they want to tank next season. Well, my argument would be, if Ryan Tannehill's as bad as everyone thinks he is, tank with him a quarterback, yeah. and go into the 2020 draft with good quarterbacks and pick one of those. Yeah. You know and the worst case is he surprises you and plays plays well. Yeah. But I mean, he, he's been 
eight-wing quarterback. Mm. You know, with, with good coaching, there's no reason why he couldn't get, you know, get you to 10 wins. Uh, he, he did do it the one year, 2016, so. Yeah, yeah and I, I say, I'll reiterate what we said a bit earlier. It's all about staying on the field. He's not he's not been able to, get, to stay on the field, field which kind of wears wears thin uh, you don't really have a long a long shelf life if, if you if you're not healthy you're not playing full seasons so I, I you know I can see both uh, both sides of the, of the story and you're right it depends on what Brian Flores and, and the guys in the back office there think you know they're, they're, not, they're not committed to to Ryan Tannehill so they might look elsewhere um, but like I say it's a, it's a much stronger uh, draft next year and they're not really in a position to pick one this year yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot of people have sort of banded the idea around of picking up one of the the free agents this year, um, possibly Nick Foles if he if he ends up out of contract, or a Tyrod Taylor, or possibly even trading for a Teddy Bridgewater. Mm. But I don't know if that really, you know, that doesn't help you get a higher draft pick for next year. No. And they're not really that many wins better than Ryan Tannehill. That's why they're all going to be free agents. So I'd rather just stick with the the guy I know, especially in the in the case of Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, he's coming off a bad injury. I know he played a game last season, but you know, there's just as much unknown there as there is as to whether Tannehill will stay healthy. So I would rather build an O line, give him a year, and if it goes belly up, then fine. But you, you, you're in a prime position to pick quarterback in next year's draft. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it must be it must be a weird one because I say the last couple of years it's always kind of been the same. They've they've gotten wins and they've they've kind of competed and. It always seems to be the last couple of weeks of the season. They've always still got a wild card uh, playoff chance, uh, which is a bit annoying because it doesn't really help you in the draft and it doesn't help you get over the top and, and become a regular uh, playoff playoff team, if you like. So you almost need a, a bad season or you know, just say another, an injury to to a quarterback where you just say, okay, we'll just use this use this season to to get the chemistry together, get get used to to the style of offense, and then kind of go from there. It's almost like you need a step back before you can step forward again. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I agree. It's, but it, it's, it's a super hard job, I think, in the NFL to say to a team, right, oh, yeah. our plan is to not play well. Mm-hmm. You know, especially with a new coach. I mean, yeah. you're going to pay the guy, bring him in, and then say, right, for the first year, we don't expect to win. Mm-hmm. I find that hard to believe. So the the, the scary thing about that is if the, the roster isn't up to scratch and everyone's trying their hardest, is you end up exactly where we are now in yep. the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how, kind of how they approach it because the AFC East is not the most competitive, is it? And every season you seem to you know, the Bills, the Jets, and, and the Dolphins always seem to be play, playing for second, but at the same time, kind of trying to build something to, so that when the Patriots dynasty does come down, that they're going to be the the ones that jump on top of it. Yeah, definitely. Um, the the other the other two teams there the, the Jets and the Bills have got their quarterbacks last yeah. year yeah. and they sort of made their play for it and I think if the Dolphins take their quarterback this year obviously they're going to be one year behind those guys but like you say everyone's kind of flip flopping behind the Patriots at the moment it's mm-hmm. kind of yeah <laughs> it doesn't really make a difference no we just have to we just have to take joy in the fact that New England can't win in Miami yeah and I, yeah it's, it's, very, it's a very good segue actually into obviously one of the highlights of the year for Miami Dolphins fans um, it, it, it's quite it's quite uncanny actually the last year or two Miami seems to be a decent home uh, home advantage not necessarily in terms of the crowd but just the heat um, you know obviously Chicago struggled there last year and, and Miami not the greatest away team either so um, yeah obviously if they, if they can build on, on that home field uh, advantage in terms of temperature and, and surroundings conditions and maybe get a bit of some fans behind them as well um, and then maybe they'll end up with a few more wins 
But yeah, it's a, it's a funny one, the AFC East. I mean, I, I, I can't see the Patriots uh, you know, being around for, for too many more years in terms of how well they are. Um, so the, the, it really is there for the taking. Yeah, definitely. It's a case of uh, making sure you're in prime position when they start to go over the cliff. Mm. You know, um, that's what every team is trying to do in the AFC East right now. Hopefully we've got the inside track with having a few New England coaches come over yeah yeah did you do i mean did you like the appointments of uh, flores and, the, and um, o'shea um to be honest at the start of the process i really wanted a, a veteran head coach because we've had a lot of first-time head coaches and they all seem to go the same way and i just like something different i think tampa did a great job in bringing in bruce arians um but with the coaching staff they put together bringing in a jim caldwell and um they hope to appoint um, the guy whose name just completely escapes me. <laughs> the old uh, Don Capers. Um, as a as assistants and advisors, I think they've built a really good staff that has experience in winning, mm. and that helps. So he he doesn't have to take on such a big job. Whereas Adam Gase wanted to run the offense all all on his own, which was great, but it meant he didn't pay enough attention to the defense and couldn't see when Matt Burke was was drowning on defense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely, I totally agree. And say maybe uh, maybe next year we, you won't need to to go to the lengths of of Miami Miracles to to get wins. But yeah, we, we'll, we'll touch on that before before we sign off because obviously it's one of the highlights of of the year. Where, where do you remember where were you when you were watching it? Did you jump out of your seat or was it a case of were you watching it? Were you watching it live? Yeah, I was watching it live. I've missed a game since since Game Pass came on over here in the UK. So. Um... I was watching in my living room. There was a lot of jumping and screaming in the living room because, to be honest, it had been a great game. And I really do, as a neutral fan, if anyone gets a chance to see that game during the off-season, it was a brilliant game up to that point anyway. Mm. That you know They'd gone score for score with each other. Um, Tannehill had even been taken out at the end of the first half because he got slightly nicked up. And Brock Osweiler had come in and say it was, it was a really quite exciting game. Um, of course, it's even better when it finished that way. So, yeah, absolutely. And say, but Patriots uh, have a history of struggling in Miami in recent years. But um, yeah, maybe maybe that will uh, continue into next year. Just before we sign off, Lee, what give us give us one give us a prediction for next season for Miami? How many wins? Hmm. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think we'll probably end up back in the same realm that we are this year, but as an ascending team rather than a descending team. Mm. I think that Brian Flores will get his, his feet under the table, so to speak, and, yeah. and get everything sorted out. I think the next few weeks will be certainly very interesting leading up to free agency to see um, what sort of deadwood gets gets cut in Miami. Of course, a lot of people thought Amendola might go as well, mm. but with Patriots staff coming in, I, I would think that he would probably stay to help kind of um, institute their their culture. Mm. Yeah, good point, actually. Yeah, very good point. Okay, well, I, I look forward to, to speaking to you this time next year about another, another 7 and 9 season. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> thanks for joining us, Lee. Thanks for talking Dolphins. No problem. Thanks for having me. Third in the AFC East was, of course, the Buffalo Bills, finishing with a 6-10 and record. But a couple of storylines there from last season to talk about. And we have brought on Braden Fazalari from uh, Across the Pond. And you can find him on Twitter at Spot underscore Bills, who also has an, uh, a real taste for Super Bowl uh, history. Brandon, welcome in to the podcast. Uh, how, how are you doing today on this fine, this fine day? Yeah, I'm doing excellent. It's a beautiful morning in Las Vegas. 
Las Vegas, indeed. Um, I've been I went to Las Vegas years and years ago. Hopefully, go back uh, sometime in the future. But yeah, just a just a quick note on your before we talk Buffalo Bills and a quick note on your Twitter uh, timeline. You're you're quite uh, fascinated in terms of Super Bowl history and facts and figures. Yeah, that stems from my since my childhood. Uh, my first Super Bowl that I remember actually watching was Super Bowl sixteen, which was January of nineteen eighty two between the Forty ers and the Bengals. And ever since that uh, cold Buffalo morning of watching that Super Bowl, which was played in Detroit, Michigan, by the way, Pontiac Silverdome, um, I just I've just been enthralled with the Super Bowl history. I think we've gotten a little too commercial yeah. the last few years, but um, but just just dissecting the the uh, particular games themselves has been a fascination of mine since childhood. Mm. Yeah, I mean, 1982, probably a bit before my time. I wasn't born to 85, but yeah, certainly, uh, <laughs> if, if you're going to go back and, and track things of the NFL, I suppose Super Bowl is not a bad place to start. But yeah, anyone, any of the listeners out there that want to maybe learn a bit more about Super Bowls over the, over the years, um, go and follow Brandon at spot underscore bills, like I say. But Brandon, we are here to talk about your the Buffalo Bills. Uh, let's, let's say that they've not had the best time of it in recent years. Uh, but coming into the season, obviously Josh Allen, who they traded up to pick seven four in the 2018 draft, was a big was a big storyline coming into the season. Quite a lot of people loved the, loved the decision. Quite a lot of people hated it. Where where did you kind of sit on 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 Josh Allen? It's interesting when the Bills traded up to get the seventh pick. I thought that they were going to go with Josh Rosen out of UCLA as opposed to Josh Allen out of Wyoming. But ultimately, I think what uh, Coach McDermott and uh, General Manager Bean was looking for was uh, more of a culture fit. And Josh Allen is an exceptional personality. He's got such enthusiasm for Buffalo. He's he's a great teammate. He's a cheerleader on the field. He brings a lot more passion to his team than – Rosen does, and I think they saw that before a lot of us did, mm-hmm. and um, turned out to be the better pick because I think Rosen is really struggling down there with the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. So I was uh, I was against the pick when it happened, but uh, you know I'm I'm buying it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's a boat that everyone has kind of, has kind of jumped on because quite a lot of people were, were mocking him going in, in leading into the season about what he could overthrow and throwing it out of the park and over the moon uh, and all the <laughs> and, and all the rest of it. But now, obviously, he he carried that Buffalo Bills team at, at times, you know, against wins against uh, you know the Minnesota and you know his rushing ability, which maybe not what uh, was his focus coming into the season. It was all about his arm. But you know, eighty nine attempts for six hundred and thirty one yards and eight touchdowns, seven one point one yards per carry. I mean, he carried this team through through most parts of the season when he was on the field we had no idea (laughs) what kind of a running threat he would become uh i mean anybody who said that they thought he was going to run 600 yards uh really you know missed the analysis of this kid but um i think a lot of it to be honest with you was desperation though so i don't think they want to see him running for 600 yards every season by design no, and I, I think that's fair as well. And I think part of it obviously has to do with the, the talent around him and injuries to you know, Sean McCoy didn't have a, a full season this season. Sure. And, you know, the wide receiver position, which we'll get onto shortly, is is, is hardly loaded uh, with depth compared to, to other teams in the division, let alone the rest of the NFL. But, but yeah, I, I think Buffalo Bills over the last couple of years has been predominantly defence first. You know, that home, you know, uh, Ralph Wilson Stadium, it's the new era stadium now, isn't it? That's uh, is a tough place to go to and it's predicated on, on that tough defence. 
who are first in terms of put, uh, put yards given up uh, against the pass. Uh, maybe a bit more leakier against the run. But yeah, I, I think first and foremost, this, this Buffalo Bills team is, is defence first. Well, yeah, it's it, it it has been. I think in um I think in fact the six and ten twenty eighteen team actually defensively was stronger than the twenty seventeen team that made the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Um uh there were I think there were six games where we gave up where the Bills gave up less than two hundred and fifty yards, including a game they lost forty one to nine to Chicago. They gave up less than two hundred yards of total offense. So I I'll say that's defense first. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And say offense is a, is a bit of a, a funny story because you know, in terms of yardage and points, they were 30th in the league. Uh, but actually top 10 in rushing, obviously, a lot. Had, Josh Allen had a lot, a lot to do with that. And like I say, it wasn't a, a vintage LaShawn McCoy season who's now going to be 31 going into next season. So be good to get, to get your thoughts on what you see there in the backfield coming into 2019 when we come to, to the offseason. You know, looking at some of the other games in the 2018 season, last uh, last seven games they actually went four and three, uh, with all the three losses there coming in the division. Did, did that surprise you at all? Because I say Buffalo uh, generally play tough in the divisional games. Are you surprised they didn't perhaps win more divisional games? Oh uh, yeah, I mean the the two two losses that um, really sting late in the year were uh, the, the game in Miami where Buffalo was definitely the better team that day, but they misfired on a pass late in the game to clay um that should have been a win and then they lost at home to the jets yeah um allen may have had his weakest game that day um he misfired on some throws and uh, the special teams was atrocious so those two losses kind of gnawed us a little mm. uh because that that's an eight and eight team mm. buffalo was an eight and eight team last year to be frank but they finished six and ten and that's what the records will show yeah and um so those two losses probably were bitter pills to swallow i think that we, you know, but Buffalo's obviously got to have a more balanced rushing attack. McCoy's got to have a better season, uh, but that's not necessarily his fault. No. The offensive line is really the weak spot of this football team, or had been last year. Yeah. Uh, um, that's why uh, Allen rushed for so much, so many yards because first of all, his receivers weren't getting open, but secondly, he just did not any time in the pocket, um, so he had to run for his life and. Mm. I think if, if Buffalo could solidify a couple of a couple of top tackles, I think they're looking at Jawan Taylor out of Florida to draft, and I think and free agency they want to grab the best guard out there, and um, you know they're they're two offensive linemen away from really having a pretty good offense, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Let's not, let's not forget as well, Buffalo heading into the season, didn't they lose, I think, three-fifths of their offensive line uh, going going into the season as well? So it was always going to be tough sledding there for, for Josh Allen and that, and that yeah. running game. But this is a this is a draft that is is deep in terms of talent on both sides of the ball, in, in on, on both lines. Um, so do you expect the, the first-round pick or the second-round pick to, to go on offensive line, or is it more is it more going to be skill positions at wide receiver? No, I, I think the first pick will be an offensive lineman. Um, I think what, what's great is Buffalo's the ninth pick, yeah. and uh, the eight teams before them are going defense or quarterback. So the very best out, uh, offensive lineman available in this draft should go to Buffalo, and that, that'll be great because mm -hmm. they need a stud tackle. And um, maybe in the second round they'll grab a wide receiver, but – you know, honestly, they're very happy with, with some of the wide receivers they have already. And, um, you know, a lot of these kids that they had last year just need some development, and they may be good threats. Yep. They 
probably need a big one big receiver as opposed to all these little guys they got running around out there. But, um, yeah, definitely I think offensive line is going to be their, their priority in the draft. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's take a look at the wide receivers then for for, uh, for last season. I mean, um, Robert Foster came on towards the end of the season with some, with some big games. And Zay Jones actually didn't do too badly um, than maybe what the, the stats suggest. Seven touchdowns for him. And he actually got pummeled by, by Josh Allen towards, towards the end of the season as well. So yeah, apart from those two, are there any maybe any other names there that's, that we should keep our eye on? Because obviously there's been quite a lot of ch- turnover as well. You know, Deontay Thompson, um, you know, Kevin Benjamin was there for a, for a spout last season as well. Charles Clay, obviously at tight end, um, starting to get a bit long in the tooth now. He's coming up to 29, 30, 30 yeah. years old. But is there is there anyone else there that maybe we should be paying more attention to, or maybe the Buffalo Bills will will hope step up going into 2019? Yeah, I think. Um... Isaiah McKenzie might be more part of their offense next year. They might utilize him as a uh, uh, guy that runs some RPOs, uh, uh, you know, a third wide receiving threat. He's not, you know, he's not the, the answer. Um, again, I think they'll look in the free agency for a wide receiver. Uh, the, the, the name that pops up around here a little bit is Golden Tate, um, who, who played pretty well with the Eagles down the stretch last year, and uh, he's a gamer. Uh, Thompson's probably past his prime. I don't think he's gonna he's gonna figure into the equation anymore going into next year. But you never know. But like you say, Foster and Jones are are uh, up and comers, uh, especially Zay Jones. You know, uh, he really solved the the dropping issues he had in 2017. He turned into a um, a guy that Allen could rely on, and uh, I look for big things from him in his third season. Mm. And just a quick mention on that backfield, obviously LeSean McCoy, like we mentioned earlier, not the vintage season for for him from pre- for years past. But do, you, do you reckon that he will be the you know that that backfield will be him? Because at one point last season, the Buffalo Bills didn't have a, any known running backs on, on the roster because they were all injured. <laughs> right, that's right. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, we I think the Bills fans like what they got out of Ivory. Um, he was a, he was more of a power threat. Um. But but McCoy, his his elusiveness is really his claim to fame, his great open field running. And we got, I mean, we hardly got to see that last year. And it was that because uh, the team around him wasn't giving him the opportunities or was it because he lost his step? Um, they, they're going to give him another shot this year to see. And, uh, you know, like I say, Ivory's a good change of pace back. Murphy and Ford are guys that will get an opportunity to, to contribute and uh, and, and get on the field. So uh, ultimately, though, let uh, I don't know if you know. I don't know if McCoy's the answer anymore. Mm. True. And uh, yeah, before, before we finish off as well, I just want to get your thoughts on Sean McDonough, who let's be let's be honest and make no bones about it. He's actually gotten the best out of all these players on this team. You know, it's not it's not a team stacked with talent like other teams in the NFL, but. In terms of how they've played as a team, you know these these the, this team over the last couple of years could have quite easily had number one picks uh, over the last couple of years. But Sean McDonough's coached them and trained them to to, to be competitive at least. Oh, Coach Coach McDermott's a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the um, players love playing for him. He uh, he likes he takes um, culture uh, over talent. Um, and sometimes that's not the best thing to do, but uh, he, he's you know he's a team-oriented guy. He's a team-first guy. His defensive scheme um, that worked well with the uh, Panthers and Eagles through the years works well with the Bills. I think in many ways um, he's a better defensive coordinator than uh, Coach Frazier is. 
So, uh, you know, he, he does a fine job. Uh, I like I like uh, his rah-rah mentality. I think his game management skills lack. Uh, his time management skills, uh, down and distance uh, uh, decisions as far as, you know, we're going we're gonna to run a pass here, we're going to run a run here. I think those things will, he'll have to improve on, you know, his offensive decisions. But, um, but he's a great defensive coach. I think um, if we can get, if the Bills can get somebody on the inside, like uh, to replace Kyle Williams, um, you know, their run defense will be on par with their pass defense. And McDermott and the Bills should have another good season. Mm. Yeah, so that's actually a good segue into getting your thoughts into next season. What, what's the expectations from the Buffalo fans, or maybe what the what, what should the coaches and the coaching staff be aiming for? Is it a stretch to say playoff berth, considering how you know? Not going to say how weak the AFC is, but you know there's certainly chances to be had there. Is the is the playoffs kind of the the end goal for 2019? Oh yeah, definitely, absolutely. This um, I mean, when you really look at the AFC, uh, who scares you? Kansas City, maybe, um, and that's about it. I think Buffalo now finally has an opportunity to compete with with New England. I think um, it's it really between in the Bills and the Jets. Uh, as to who's going to step up, and uh, you know, I, I, do we, do I think the Bills are going to finish out of the Patriots in twenty nineteen? No, but I think they have as good of a chance as the Jets do of being that team that comes out of the East at a nine and seven or ten and six record. Mm. I think that would be the max output. I don't see the Bills winning more than ten games, but it's it, it's a favorable schedule um, when you look at the divisions that Buffalo will be facing next year. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think. Um, like I said before, I think Allen is going to, you know, going to continue making progress in the passing game. Um, and Bills already have this pa- good pass defense in place, you know, uh, with, uh, you know, White and Poyer and Hyde and now Taron Johnson coming in. And, you know, Milano's a very good linebacker. He's Pro Bowl caliber, to be honest with you. Jerry Hughes is Pro Bowl caliber on the edge. Lorenzo Alexander, you know what he's capable of. He's coming back for another year so. I don't think it's impossible to, to reach nine or ten wins and be in that wild card game. No, that's fair enough. And I say you'll probably get good odds, certainly this side of the pond, for, for that to happen. But before we go, I'll get you out on this, uh, Brandon. On a scale of one to ten, how, how bored of you are you of the, the Patriots winning the AFC East? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't, probably a ten. I mean, it's let me put it this way. It's... it's it, not boredom it's it really isn't i'm not bored with seeing good football i i do love the way belichick coaches that team i thought it was um i thought this year or more than any other year he was sensational down the stretch you know but um but boy would we just go crazy as bills fans to see buffalo beat them yeah it would be fantastic we have a parade and um, obviously, your 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 love for the Super Bowl um, is quite re- um, easy to spot from from your Twitter timeline. So, when when realistically is the next time we'll see uh, the Buffalo Bills in the, in the Super Bowl? So you can write about you can tweet about them. <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's a tough thing to predict, you know. Um, if you if you told me in um, you know 2016 that the Rams would be in the 2018 Super Bowl when uh, they had Coach Fisher. And Jared Goff was 0-7. Mm. 
I would say, you know, it's a long shot, obviously. But um, so, so with that being said, you never know. But, you know, I'm, I'm kind of nervous with um, the way Pat Mahomes is playing that uh, if they get any kind of a defense, that Kansas City could be the like the next dynasty in the AFC. That I'm, I mean, that kid is fantastic, isn't he? He is, he is indeed, yeah. Um, well, I hope for your sake, Brandon, that uh, the Buffalo Bills get there as, as soon as possible that, yeah, then, yeah. so you can tweet about those. But I uh, really appreciate you uh, coming on and talking about Buffalo Bills. And I, I don't know if many people out there thought it, but we actually got me uh, 50, easily got 16 minutes there. So, yeah, happy, happy days. All right, my friend. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. And say, if you want to get in touch with Brandon on Twitter, it's at spot underscore bills for all your Super Bowl needs there as well. Or maybe you want to talk to him about the Buffalo Bills. Last up on the AFC East podcast, obviously someone has to come bottom. And unfortunately, that goes to the New York Jets this season, 4-12 and record. Uh, to talk about all of that is uh, Ian Roach, who can be found on Twitter at Roachy1985. Ian, welcome you in to the podcast to talk Jets. Uh, I suppose um, this season could have could have gone better. If I'm honest, it's uh, it's uh, as I thought it was going to go. To be honest, I um, wasn't expecting too much from the start of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, big, big development year, developmental year for us, and a long way to go for us before we are back in the thick of things. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, that's, that's probably quite fair. Obviously, going into leading up into the season was all about, you know, what quarterback you were going to draft uh, in in the twenty eighteen you know, with, with uh, was it pick three, wasn't it? Um, I mean, were you, were you, yeah, we had to pick three. Yeah, were you, were you happy with Donald or were you? Who were you kind of expecting on on draft night? I didn't think we'd have a shot at Donald, if I'm honest with you. Um, so I was quite chuffed when we had when 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 Sam came through. I thought we'd have ended up with. Allen or Rosen or someone along those lines. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I was I was delighted. I was delighted. Mm-hmm. Never thought we'd have a chance at him. So in in retrospect now, in hindsight, would you would you change it at all to to Baker Baker or Josh Rosen or Josh Allen? At all? Are you are you happy with with Donald as things stand? No, I, it's difficult to say because I think Baker was always going to be number one, wasn't he? So I don't think anybody was literally ex- expecting him to pop into a jet shirt. So mm-hmm. we've not really thought about that. But no, he's. You know, don't get me wrong. He's got a long way to go. He's super, super raw, um, but he can pa- he can pass in the pocket. He can move. He can run. He's got a great mentor in Josh McCutton mm-hmm. being there. I think that is that is huge for us. Yeah. Uh, and w- what he can get, they get on really well. They're big mates, and I think he'll learn a lot from McCutton. And I think he did sort of the last season, as you saw at the end of the season, he developed already towards the end of the season compared to what he was like at the start. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think there's there's enough breadcrumbs, isn't there, to to almost make a make a cake uh, in terms of Sam Donald. You know, the start of the season was all uh, was pummeling. It's a great turn of phrase. <laughs> enough crumbs to bake a cake. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, like, say Quint- Quincy Nimoy start of the season, he was getting pummeled, wasn't he? Where Sam Donald was getting accustomed and acclimatized to to the NFL with the sh- maybe a bit of the shorter stuff, relying a bit more on the on the run game. But you saw there as, you know, towards the end of the season his. Connection with Robbie Anderson, uh, you know, a bit more of a deep ball, uh, and, I, and I know, you know, we can talk for for hours about interceptions and the mistakes he's made, but you know, it's part and parcel of of, of getting experience in the NFL, and I, I think he'd have learned a hell of a lot in in his first season. Yeah, he would have. Don't, don't get me wrong; he's been no strangers to throwing interceptions, even when he was in college. Um, but he's, yeah, he he's already clearly developed, and as you said, yeah, that link with Anderson. If we draft an experienced receiver now, or or not not draft one, if we, 
you know, get one through the trades. The so we we see how that goes. I, th- I think an experienced receiver is absolutely necessary. Mm. I think someone we got to pick somebody up. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, the other, yeah, part of part of the reason you know Sam Darnold was was throwing interceptions and uh, you know some some offensive struggles was, was that defense. You know, giving up twenty seven point six points per game on average, twenty ninth of thirty two in the NFL. That you know, when, when if you've got a rookie quarterback, though, that that kind of scenario is not is not going to help him. No, we say we could score as many points as we wanted if if we were playing well, but it wouldn't matter because they just come back down the other end and score straight away, and it was it was like the Brazil of old, but the opposite way around, as if mm. we'll score forty, they'll score forty one. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, the the, the defense has, has got to be sorted. There's, there's a there's a lot of areas got to be sorted. If I'm honest with you, it's going to take a while. Yeah, I mean, you had a couple of games there, didn't you? You had the 42-34 loss to Indianapolis. You had the 38-44, uh, uh, sorry, the 42-34 against the, was a win against the Colts and then the loss there in overtime against the Packers. Obviously, not, you don't really expect to beat the Packers uh, any given season anyway. But yeah, I mean, didn't really get a chance to get anything going. Quite a lot of lot obviously, L's in the, in the loss column there. Um, was that obviously the reason Todd Bowles lost his job? Yeah, I think the fans had grown... You know, fed up. There were nothing was changing. It was the same old, same old. You know, they were, we could have gone. Oh, let's give him one more season and see how Donald develops. But I don't think he was the right man for the job. You know, I'm not saying Gase is going to be by by a long way. You know, that that's it's really murky water. It could, God knows what it could be like. Mm-hmm. But no, I yeah, Bowles Bowles had to go. Mm-hmm. End of sports. You know, the fans are grown are grown tired of him. I think the players are grown tired of him, and it was. Fu- <laughs> It was far too defensive minded, even though we didn't have a defense, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, obviously, was, he, he yeah. Has, has a history of being obviously defensive coordinator jobs. Um, yeah, I mean, let's let's talk on Adam Gase for a little for a little bit. Obviously, he's just been just been confirmed as the new head coach going into the season, um, and you know that that gif of the taco is never going to get old, is it? Um, that's, that was obviously one of the highlights of the of the off season for the Jets. But obviously, Adam Gase has has division knowledge previously with uh, with Miami, so um, just obviously skips across the just moves a bit up north there to northeast uh, America but do, do you like the Adam Gase hire I know, I know a lot of people aren't really a big fan of Adam Gase and you know it can be said that he's not actually really done, done a lot as a as a head coach he had Peyton Manning obviously um but yeah I mean what, yeah, what's, your, yeah. what's your opinion I don't know it's it's a really strange one it's one I did not expect to happen I could have picked 10 names that would have had the job before I'd have thought Adam Gase would have had it I, I don't know what he said in his interview if he's got naked photos of someone in that Jets boardroom, I've no idea. But he—he's—he's um, he's literally has he has he had the job just because of the Miami miracle, or I—I I can't I can't work it out. Mm. You know, there's there's this rumors he's this this quarterback whisperer, but they had one good season with Tannehill in the Dolphins, and since then what's happened? You know what I mean? I—it's a very strange one. Don't be wrong, I'll give anybody a chance, and if he if he makes it happen and. He sorts, you know, gets Dan under his wing, you know, all credit to him. But I, I personally think it's a really strange appointment. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what he's whispering exactly as well, because you know he's had Tannehill, he's had Cutler, and like I say, Manning, Manning, Man, uh, Peyton Manning is his, his own man. So, 
um, you know, you don't really need to do too much coaching in terms of in terms of him. So, you know, if you look at Cutler and Tannehill, I mean, he's not really done too much, had too much success with those two. So, you do kind of wonder where that quarterback whisperer thing comes from. But yeah, it'd be certainly interesting to see how it plays out with Darnold because obviously Darnold second year as well. He's, he's a kind of expected to make the leap. But if you've got chopping and changing uh, in in the back room there with head coaches and even on the field there with players, which we'll touch on shortly, you know, it's not going to be good for you know. Yeah, the one thing rookie quarterbacks needs is consistency, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You, you mentioned Peyton Manning that he was the he was the offensive coordinator when they when they won the Super Bowl. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But Pey- Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning, basically, he just he's the offensive coordinator, and he yeah. he hasn't got anybody telling him what to do. So, um, but see, with with Donald now, it's well, I I. I'd say the the relationship with Josh McCown is more important with Adam Gase. Yeah. My my personal opinion. I think I think that's where where we, we'll see the benefits. I say I give anybody a chance, but it's a very 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 strange appointment. Like you said about the you know the that Tana Hill. He said you know it won good season, but I don't, I can't see it happening. It's, he knows the division, and it's a weak division. Don't get me wrong. You know the the. Um, you could, anyone can win that division. Mm. The Patriots are great in the in Super Bowl and the playoffs, but they're not great anymore mm. in the regular season. Mm. So it's you know it's up for it's up for grabs. It can be winnable, but it's I think we're a year off mm. that. Mm. So obviously, yeah, Adam Adam Gase comes in. Um, there's, there's there's bits and pieces on this offense, isn't there? You know, you've got uh, like say Quincy Nunez, Robbie Anderson there in the wide receiving, and uh, Chris Herndon obviously made a bit of a splash towards the end of the season there at the tight end position. But you've got other you know, ancillary pieces like Jermaine Curse. Uh, they brought in Rashad Matthews as well for a little bit. Um, you know, loads of loads yeah. of different random bits, and in the backfield as well. You know, Isaiah Crowell's been just been released, so that leaves Elijah Maguire, Bilal Powell, uh, Trent and Cannon there as well. What would you see in the off season as as the Jets? You know, are they going to look to the running back position first, or do you, you know, do you think they're going to be fine with with those three guys? Or you know, is there obviously there's a gap there at wide receiver as well that could be filled, um, or do you think it's more of a more of a focus on defense? There's bodies that. They need to come in. There's no doubt about that. Everywhere, there's, there's, we're going to be looking for bodies all over the place. Um, do we go for Le'Veon Bell running back? I mean, he's such a talented. He's probably worth about three games, four games a season too. Um, but you know, we've seen what he's done now. But you know, if if we give him what he wants, how long before he throws his toys out of the pram? Mm. Personally, I I if we get the chance at him, I I go for him. I will. I, I think we should go for him. Um, at wide receiver, I think there's an experience. There's got to be an experienced receiver we can pick up, um, as well as you know, draft perhaps a, a young rookie. I uh, I don't want to go for AB. Uh, I don't. I know. I'm not saying we're going to be linked to them, but I think two bad eggs in one pod, him mm. and Bell, would be would be a nightmare. Mm. Um, so I go for Bell. I wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't go for AB. Um, but you know, we need bodies in the draft. Now we we got pick three again. Um, but do we dra- do we trade down and get more bodies? There's there's pros and cons yeah. to both to both sides of it. You know, because Nick Bosa is probably going to go first, and then and you've also got you know people like Josh Allen up for grabs. If you know if maybe he gets he gets to number three, 
or do we you know we trade down and just get bodies that old line because they'd be good players there's going to be good players lower down no doubt about it you know there always are absolute gems lower down mm. um you know season, season van der Esch is had this year for the cowboys he i thought he's been he's been great mm. um but yeah it's oh, i i I'd, i personally i would trade down and get that get that o line mm. um you know there's you know, there's ford or we could we could even go for an old uh, offensive line man at number three like Ford or Williams, um, but I I'd get bodies I trade down and get bodies personally. Yeah, I mean let's not forget as well last season obviously you traded away all those um, th- those other picks to to trade up two two three um, to to get Sam Darnold didn't you with uh, trade I think did you trade with the Colts I think it was uh, to go from yeah, to go from five yeah. to three so yeah there's obviously a, a mismatch there there's an imbalance that probably needs to be corrected so you know probably in the prime position to, to do that if they wanted to do this season there'd, there'd probably be plenty of suitors as well so yeah maybe that's maybe that's the way to go yeah but just to mention on, on the on the coaching there was Adam Gase is in as well but you've also got brought in uh, Jim Caldwell and uh, Jim Bob Cooter as well so um there's there's experience there in in that backroom staff if you know even if they're not the most uh, inspiring of, of groups so going like you, you mentioned earlier in in the segments uh, Ian that you know you're not you're thinking more that a year or so away so what what's kind of the expectations this year, just to see Donald improve and you know a couple of people in wide receiver and running back just stay healthy and just put put the, start putting the team together. Yeah, let's, let's see how Donald goes. You know, he's he's you know, say he develop in the pocket. We know we can move from the pocket, but he can he can pass from the pocket as well. He, I love those little spins he does to get to make space for himself. That's like quite unique to him from what I saw last year, um, but. You know, as I said, any anybody could win this division. It's I I do think it's up for grabs, but I I don't think we're ready to do it yet. Mm. Um, for, I just want to see the development of Donald develop a good old line to protect him, give him the time he needs to do what he can do, um, and just show some vast improvement. Show that we can compete, and then get us in a position ready to improve again this time next next year. Yeah, and. Um, and then um, I think we'll have a real good go at a playoff place mm. the year after. I'm not saying one isn't up for grabs this year. Mm. You know, things pan out, things change. You know, he could have a Patrick Mahomes type season, second season, and and we end up going on a hell of a run. But you know, yeah, we wait and see what happens. But for me, it's the season after next. Yeah, no, and certainly, certainly, like all the other the other two guys, the Buffalo, the Buffalo Bills, and the Miami Dolphins show. At some point, this Patriots team are going to come down back to 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 level competitive level for the rest of the teams. So the you know the, that top spot there is certainly up for grabs uh, in the next couple of years when you know Brett Brady, Gronk, and uh, all the rest of the guys there in, in New England retire. So yeah, it's it's about putting yourself in a position to to to, to capitalise on that, isn't it? Yeah, you <laughs> as far away as we seem, we are in that division. You're never that far away. I don't think at the minute, as as we said, as good as the the Pats are, the postseason, regular season, we've seen it this year. You know, at one point it was looking that they may not make it, yeah. and then they turn up gear towards the end. Um, you win the right, you win the right games, you win your derbies, you put yourself, you put yourself in the right position, and um, anything can happen. But um, we'll all see. This, this, you know, the, the draft and the free agency are, are key, yeah. absolutely key for us. I'd, more, more key than most teams, I think, this year for us is, is such a big year for us. Yeah, 
yeah, and I'll be excited to see what, how it how it all pans out. So yeah, so all the all the all the guys, all the fans of the AFC East uh, teams, hoping it'll be their team that that uh, you know surpasses the Patriots to top of the AFC East. But Ian, thanks so much for coming on and uh, talking Jets with us. I hope it all pans out the way the way you want it to. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me and, and take care of yourself. So there you have it. AFC East all done for you. I hope you enjoyed that one. And if you did, let us know at Full 10 Yards. Really appreciate any feedback on these. I say AFC teams for the rest of the week, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. And then next week will be your NFC. But me and Lee will be back tomorrow where we have a full 10 questions and we'll be talking about free agency as well. So until then, in the great words of Kevin Cadle, it's bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. for listening to the full 10 yards podcast follow us on facebook or twitter at full 10 yards or email the show full 10 yards at gmail.com